that's one of the, the biggest uh, wonders that I've always thought about is how Jesus, speaking to thousands of people uh, on a mountainside, was able to project his voice. Um, the way I think that is amplified by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, the Holy Spirit is with us today. I just want to share with you, I'm going to get into the message of the one and the legion, Jesus and the demoniac this morning. Uh, this morning. Last night I shared about the encounter with Jesus and the woman of, at the well. The one, one of the beautiful things that came out of the encounter with Jesus at, uh, and the woman at the well is, is that, that Jesus... Jesus Knew the, the darkest darkness, details of his life, life and he pointed it out um, with regards to her struggle with relationships and her struggle with men. And yet, and yet that woman, that woman was fully exposed, fully known, and yet fully loved. Would you say amen? And from that encounter and from that experience, that woman went on to share. That encounter, she became that living water pot, if you will, forgot her water pot, became that living water pot, carried that living water to the city. And the Bible says in John 4 that she went and spoke to the men of the city. Here's the beautiful thing about uh, the gospel and about the, the, the wonderful character of God is that because according to 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, because God is love, and according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 down to 21, where it speaks about the reconciliation and the ministry of reconciliation and how God reconciles us to himself and restores a broken relationship. That's the beautiful thing that we see here, is not only does God reconcile the relationship between himself and that woman at the well, but also reconciles her to her family and reconciles her to her community, would you say amen? I mean, that's a reconciliation that's taking place there that she would have, first of all, Brother Brian, a personal reconciliation with God. And then God then brings about that healing to her and her family and her and her and her community. That's the beauty of having a connection and a relationship with God is that he brings healing no matter what. No matter how broken we are, family, let me, let me just share this with you, that no matter how broken we are, no matter how messed up our past, and no, matter, and no matter what we have going on in our lives, I praise God that he knows every single detail about us. He knows everything in our closets. He knows all of our darkest secrets, and yet he still loves us. How does that make you feel this morning? As Torn Well would sing, Fully known and loved by you, you won't let go, no matter what I do. Because it's not one or the other, it's hard truth and ridiculous grace to be known, fully known and loved by you. That's Jesus, folks. That woman became an evangelist. It's amazing how Christ would choose folks that, humanly speaking, we would probably not select or choose ourselves. I mean, you think about those 12 knuckleheads that Jesus had for disciples. Uh, you know, I, I say it again, Peter, Peter had an issue of speaking out of turn and sometimes speaking his mind so much that he would have to insert his foot because Peter had mouth and foot disease. You had two gangbangers among the group, James and John, who were known as the Sons of Thunder, who were temperamental, had bad tempers, and their method of evangelism, according to the Gospel of Luke chapter 9, was to burn up an entire Samaritan village for, for rejecting Jesus. I'm so thankful Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. I did not come to destroy men's lives. I came to save people. So, I'm thankful this morning, you know, that uh, I have the opportunity to share. Some of you may already have heard some of my story. There's much more to the story. God is not finished with me yet, thank Jesus. But I lived for years my life on the streets. Former drug dealer, former drug and alcohol, uh, drug addict and alcoholic former gangbanger, 
and former con uh, ex-convict in and out of the system. But God delivered me and rescued me from the streets. Saved me. <laughs> oh, man, you all are too quiet for me. You all are too quiet for me. Let me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. When, when God does something that, that is just, I mean, it, it's, it, it can only be God. It's a miracle, God. It's, it's all God. I, I, you know, one of the things that I get excited about is I travel and I see people coming to Christ and giving their lives to Jesus. I remember I was uh, doing Bible work when I first came to Jesus in 1996. I attended a Ron, ha Ron Haverson Sr. evangelistic series in Hawaii. And at the time, I was a part of a, an elaborate drug ring, drug ring that ran from Washington down into Oregon, down into California, and then made its way into Hawaii. I had recruited young people to be my runners. In other words, they were the ones who were running the drugs on the streets for me. And I even, I even recruited um, 13 and 14-year-olds, some of them my own family members, my nephews and my nieces who were part of this drug ring. And in 1996, I recall um, my, my older brother, who was up here in West Seattle, was shot and killed one night. I was out with the boys there in Hawaii, and we were doing our thing. Um, I was, you know, I was just... Uh, I was, just in a, I was just in a dark world, in a dark space, and then I heard that my older brother was shot and killed on the streets in West Seattle up in High Point where I grew up, this, uh, this projects that I grew up. And mind you that my father was a pastor and my mother a ferocious prayer warrior. I was born into a family of 12, 10 boys and two girls. They should have been 12 boys because my sisters were like boys. And, uh, I mean, they, they, can, they can hold their own against, against you know, the brothers. And, and the one thing that I remember is that, you know, we were close-knit, but at the same time, we were always at each other. We were fighting. There was constant violence in the home. My father, although he was a pastor, um, one of the things that I had trouble with and all of my siblings had trouble with, and, and we couldn't reconcile the picture of my father preaching the gospel and preaching about a loving God, but at home abusing our mother and abusing us. We're talking about physical mental abuse, emotional abuse. This is what went on in our home. I couldn't reconcile the picture of God being a loving God and my father. I mean, I just couldn't get it. I couldn't grasp it. How is it that you're up there preaching the gospel, preaching about a loving God, and yet you're abusive to mom and you're abusive to us? But I praise God that later on in his life, my father, my father repented, gave his heart fully to Jesus. God reconciled our relationship Prior to him going to sleep, would you say amen? You see, because God does that. I don't know what you come in here with today. I don't know what baggage you have. I just know that I came in here this morning. I need Jesus. I need him. And, and, and so whatever baggage you're carrying, whatever you're dealing with, and sometimes it's interesting because we as Adventists, or I should say as Christians, we come in and we, we, we tend to look good on the outside. And externally, we seem like we got it all together. But inside, we're a wreck. We're a mess. And you can look the part, you can look like you're, you're fine, you can look like you have it all together, and deep down inside, you know that you are broken and in need of Jesus. Tomorrow I'm going to be sharing with a group of uh, indigenous Native American and Pacific Islander young people, middle school age, um, at the uh, Boys and Girls Club tomorrow morning from... 11 to about 1230, we're going to have a listening session, and it's to hear from them, to give them a platform to share some of the challenges that they face in terms of mental and emotional stress and issues that they're dealing with in their schools and in their families. And I praise God because, again, this is a space outside of the church in which God is working. That's one of the things that I love, Brother Danny, is I have the opportunity to go into all of these different spaces and circles and to speak into these spaces because I've been through some of the things that these children or young people are going through, and I can relate to them on so many different levels. I mean, when you're talking about being a drunkard, when you're talking about being, um, having a bad temper and, 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 and being violent and growing up in violence, I mean, I didn't even make it. I didn't even make it through the Navy, Pastor, because I got kicked out because I couldn't handle authority. My dad thought that that would cure me of the streets by sending me to the Navy. And what happened? I got into a big old fight uh, because one of the things that I liked to do was I grew up training and learning boxing and martial arts. I'll never reveal what martial arts that I did because I always like to keep the element of surprise. <laughs> but one of the things is when I gave my life to Jesus, I gave that up. 
I gave that up. And, and, and the thing is, is I, I realized, family, I realized that I, I, I'm a, I was a broken young man. I needed healing in my life. And so I praise God. All the trauma and all the things that have happened in my own personal life and in my family, God has brought healing. And over the last two years, I have had the privilege of baptizing over 40 of my family members. That's because of my mama's prayers. My mom passed away in 2010. You don't think that God took her prayers and put them in golden bowls in heaven and is still answering the prayers of my mama because she was a friend of God? 40 of my family members, over 40, have been baptized. Next Sabbath, after we're done here, after we have potluck and and after we have the baptisms, I go back to West Seattle. I'm going to go to the Boys and Girls Club where we have established a new church plant well, we have all these thugs and drug, and drug dealers and gangbangers coming in. And guess what? We're going, to be, we're going to be officially become a church plant in the West Seattle area. And it's in the Boys and Girls Club. And we're going to have baptism. And more of my family members are getting baptized. See, that's why I get excited. I know what God can do. I can testify. I can witness to the power of God. I can witness to the love of God. I can witness, family, that God can pull people. From. Now it's just a routine thing to show up at church. Many of us have this notion and this idea that church only takes place within the walls and the confines of the walls of a church. Can I tell you something? My Bible tells me that we, the people, are the church. Wherever you go, wherever space you occupy, wherever you go in your sphere of influence and in your circle of friends and those that you interact with on a daily basis, you are the church. They will see Jesus in you and in your testimony and in your story, and you can have an eternal impact on people's lives. <laughs> Looking at the young people, the youth, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because I, I know what God can do in the lives of our young people, in all of our lives. That woman at the well, I don't know how much time she spent there with Jesus. But for her to go out and witness immediately about what God has done in her life and that come and see a man that told me everything that I had done. And then the entire city comes out to hear Jesus. I'm going to get to this here. We're going to camp out in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, this morning. You can find the account of the demoniac and Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, Mark, chapter 5, Luke, chapter 8. Those are the synoptic Gospels and the stories recorded there. Interesting, interesting um, piece of information is Matthew actually records that there were two demoniacs. Mark and Luke said there's only, well, they don't say there's one, but there, there, it seems as if there's one. There's no contradiction in the story. It's just that the writers decided to highlight and emphasize certain things about the story, but the story remains the same. There's, not, there's no contradictions. It's like me saying that there's two apples on the table and then saying that there's one apple on the table. Well, those, that would be a contradiction. But to say that there's two apples on the table and then to say that there is an apple on the table is not a contradiction. And so there's no contradiction in the story. It's just that Matthew decides, and by the way, he gives more detail about the story. So he just decides to mention both of them, while in Mark and Luke decide to mention that there's probably one of the two that's more prominent and that speaks for them both. Okay? So I don't want anybody to get hung up on that, but I'm not going to go into the one in Matthew. I'm going to go with the one in Mark. And for the context, I want us to understand that in Mark chapter 4, in Mark chapter 4, if you would go with me there real quickly, Mark chapter 4. Oh, man, I praise God. So, Mark chapter 4. Please notice what it says with me beginning in verse 35. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35, and if you're there, would you please say amen? amen? And you can join us on the Bible or on your devices, or you can just follow along. Um, I may or may not use the slides today. I'm just going to lean in on the Holy Spirit. Notice what the Bible says, and, and the same day when 
the even was come, he says to them, to his disciples, Jesus, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So what I want to share with you that, according to the context, is Jesus was on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee or the lake, and he was preaching and teaching, and the multitudes began to gather around him. It got so crowded um, Sierra, that, that Jesus actually had to step into a boat, push a little way off from land, and continue teaching because the crowds were so big. Can you imagine the disciples are running around, and they're probably, you know, doing crowd control. Like, I mean, these guys are, these guys are just running around, maybe with, like, their heads, with their, with their, like, chickens with their heads cut off, and they're over there trying to, you know, do the crowd control thing and, and make sure that everything is going according to plan. And Jesus steps into a boat and he continues teaching them. Well, here's the thing. Jesus then decides to now leave that shore. He's going to leave the mega church on that side of the lake. And he tells his disciples, it's time to get into the ship. We're going to go on to the eastern side of the lake. And what's amazing about it is that Jesus and other little ships joined him. The Bible says here that as they are traveling over to the other shore, to the eastern side of the lake, and I believe that what Christ is doing, if you ever question the value of a soul, I want you to know that you can look at how valuable a soul is to Christ, that he would leave the multitudes and the crowded church on one side, and he would go all the way across the lake and even go through the middle of a storm, a life-threatening storm, and he would sleep on the way there. The disciples must are, are frantic. They are panicking. These are professional fishermen. This is what they do. They live their life on the lake. They've been on this through storms many a times, but this time they can't handle it. And I want to tell you something. They are trying their best. If you really look at what's being said here in Matthew and Luke and you put it all together, they are trying to get themselves to safety. They're trying to bail out water out of the boat. And the thing that we must understand, family, again, as I mentioned last night, there's not a single one of us in this room that can save ourselves. Only Jesus can save us. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much work you do, we cannot save ourselves. That's why the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. It says, for by grace. By what church? Say it again. Grace. I want that to sink in. I want that concept to sink in because we as Adventists, we have a tendency to always fall back into our works. We struggle with that. Paul makes it very clear, though. It's not, it's not my words. Paul says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Check this out. It is the gift of God. Oh, man, somebody shout hallelujah. Come on. It is a gift. It's not something that you earn. It's not something that we do to, to, to gain it and obtain it. It says that it is a gift. By the way, both, both grace and faith in that verse are gifts from God. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 or 4 says that God has given to every man a measure of faith. So even the faith that we have to receive the grace of God is a gift from God. <laughs> oh, man, I want to tell you that this was this was this was. This was a complete and total paradigm shift for me. This totally changed 
the way that I looked at things because now I'm looking at Jesus. Notice what else he says. The Apostle Paul. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And by the way, it's repeated in Ephesians chapter 2 because it's known as the grace chapter. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Verse 9, not of works. Let me say that again. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So guess what? When we get to the kingdom and when we get to glory, there's not going to be one person in heaven that's going to be able to brag or boast that they got there because of their own good works or because of their own merits. We're all going to be praising Jesus and saying, thank you, Lord, for saving me. I'm telling you, when we, when we truly accept that and we truly let that sink in, then you will begin to experience the freedom that Christ gives. Because many, many are, are, are wondering, why is it that I keep the Sabbath? I do this and that. And yet I still feel miserable. You see, even Nicodemus discovered that all of his Sabbath keeping wasn't going to save him. When Jesus said, you got to be born again. And let me tell you something, nobody can keep the Sabbath like Nicodemus or the Pharisees. And yet Jesus told him, this civic and religious leader, you must be born again. Oh, I know all the titles you have. I know all the degrees that you have. You have this PhD in theology and all this stuff. But that's not going to save you, Nicodemus. Oh, I know, you know, all the religious activity and exercises and programs that you have, but that's not going to save you, Nicodemus. You must be born again. But verse 10, for all those who still wonder, well, where do the works come in? <laughs> Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship. Oh, man. Thank you, Jesus. It says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. In other words, it's Christ dwelling in us. That's why it says over there in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, for it is God. Who? Who, church? For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 puts it this way. He that hath begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. Would you say amen? So don't, so, so don't fret. God is not finished with us yet. We are not finished products. So Jesus goes through this storm. He's awakened, and, I mean, they're, they're panicking, and, and, he, and, and he awakes, and I just imagine, I don't know how he does it. Well, of course, I, you know, he's the son of God, but, you know, I, I imagine him standing up in a boat that's, that the storm is. I mean, can you imagine the ship is probably, you know, and he just stands up. Be quiet. And the storm abates. And then he looks at the disciples and say, why are you fearful? Why do you lack faith? And now we get into chapter 5. Here's, 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 Sierra, let me just say this. Family, think, I want you guys to think about this. So Christ, who is God, according to Philippians chapter 2, I mean, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, it says that he's the logos, it says that he's the word. And that the word came and became flesh and dwelt among us in verse 14. And then in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, it talks about how, um, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was obedient to death, even the death on the cross. 
and because of that he is highly exalted and his name shall be above all names. And then it says that every knee and every tongue, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Think about that. It says that, that it was not something that he tenaciously held on to. Talking about his, 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 uh, his divinity and his godhood, he laid aside those divine prerogatives and became flesh and blood, according to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 down to 18. It says that it behooved him to become flesh and blood and to be made like unto his brethren. And it was through his death, through his death, that he had the power to destroy the one that, or destroy the one that had the power of death, that is the devil. So we no longer have to live in fear all of our lives, enslaved. Thank God for Melissa and her beautiful daughter in that song. We are not slaves to sin. Oh, you have to excuse me, family. I just get excited. And sometimes the Holy Spirit just, you know. It's amazing what he can do with a a mind that once upon a time was occupied by the devil and demons. All those brain cells, are, brain cells are killed off by smoking all that weed. <laughs> it's a miracle of God. Really. It's a miracle of God. I, I'm, I'm serious. I can just give him all the credit, all the praise, and all the glory. Because how in the world, right? And it's amazing. But you know what? It's amazing because God doesn't waste any of our experiences. He doesn't. He uses it for his glory. I'll give you an example. When I was in the streets, one of the things that we did is we, we myself and my brothers and some of the homies, we would record all of these under, we would record all of these gangster raps, right? And we would, we would lay tracks down and, and we would spit bars and all of this stuff. And, and then we would, you know, we would sell them out of the trunks of our cars. <laughs> and so what God did was like, he said, you know what? I'm going to take what you used to do, all of that rapping that you used to do, all that lyricism that you used to do, all those tracks that you lay down, and I'm going to put my word in your mouth, and I'm going to put it in your heart and in your mind, and you're going to spit my word. That's why some people say, man, this brother talks too fast. Well, it's part, you know, it's part of, the, it's part of my, my makeup. It's part of what I came from. And God says, you know what, I'm going to use that for my glory, though. I'm not going to waste it. So that's the reason why, you know, I'm like, it, it, it's amazing. And sometimes, sometimes my wife is like, man, she says, you, she says, I can tell that you must have been a, a rapper once upon a time. Yeah. And I want to tell you that, listen, family, here's, here's, a, here's the grace of God. Don't worry. We'll get into chapter five, break it down real fast, and then we're done. Here's, here's the struggle that we have, and, and the Apostle Paul talks about it, right, in Romans 6, 7, and 8. You've got to read those chapters together because it talks about the, the flesh. Then it talks about the struggle of the spirit and the flesh. Then it talks about how we can overcome, in chapter 8, those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and walk in or after the spirit. Would you say Amen. He said there's no condemnation. And so here's the thing, family, I want to share with you. That there's this struggle. Because we live in this world of sin, because we live this side of heaven, there's this, there's this struggle that goes on daily between the flesh and the spirit. And because of, because of our nature and because we have fallen and because of, you know, how, how messed up we become, we have a nature that naturally, naturally gravitates towards sin. We are naturally bent towards sin. We gravitate towards sin. But here's what I'm thankful for. The servant of the Lord says, but the Holy Spirit has been given to help those to overcome those, she she says, both cultivated and hereditary tendencies to evil. The Spirit of God is given to help us to overcome those things that we practice and pick up and those things that come through our bloodline because the blood of Jesus Christ is more powerful than our own blood. But it's a daily struggle. But guess what? Our help doesn't come from the hills. Our help comes from God. That's what I'm saying. Like, there was one day, Brother Brian, man, I remember, 
I, 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 pull, I might have shared the story before here, but I was in my pastoral upright position in my car, right? Listening to this gospel song, and I was, you know, right hand on here. Once in a while, I put my left, on, my left hand up on the wheel, sitting upright, and just cruising along, just cruising along in my pastoral Christian position. I pull up to this, I pull up to this light, and right next to me is a vehicle, and man, he's bumping Tupac. You know that song, that's just the way it is. Some things will never be the same. And, and, and he was bumping it. And, and, you know, I mean, in my old vehicles, <laughs> I used to have that stuff in my car. That's probably why I'm a little deaf now. Because, I mean, I used to have that booming, the booming bass in the, in the trunk and, 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 the, and the car rattling. And, and, you know, I'm just sitting there. But, man, I want to tell you that when, as soon as I heard that Tupac song, I turned that gospel song down. I hit the switch in my, on my seat, lowered it, right hand went off, left arm went up, put my right arm on the armrest, and I was like. And the guy next to me was like. <laughs> and then the Holy Spirit had to slap me upside my head and said, hey, pastor. I said, oops. But that's how easy, right, we... We can, we can slip. But aren't you thankful that even when we slip and trip and fall, that God is there to pick us up? Right? December 17th of last year, I was, doing a, I was doing a revival series in the city of Compton, Los Angeles. <laughs> I always have fun whenever I go to the urban areas. Uh, I, I, I just, you know, the ghetto side of me comes out, Kelsey. And, man, I just let it fly. You know, I just let it fly. I just talk. I talk their lingo. I talk their language. And, and they're all, like, looking at me like, man, this dude right here used to be, man, I can tell. And, and, and I, I want to tell you that there were, there, were, there, were, there, were, there were, you know, a whole assortment of people that were in there. And I remember I was making an appeal. It was a Friday night right before my last sermon on Sabbath. And I was making an appeal for baptism. And praise be to God, there were some people that responded and came up. And, man, but I'm so thankful you only have one step here, two steps over here. But they had a staircase that led up to the pulpit. And I was standing on, I was standing on the second step, and I was making an appeal, and there were people that came and stood over here. I wanted to go down with them, Sierra. I wanted to stand with them. Man, I stepped down. I missed the step, went falling forward, barely missed the front pew with my head. And the beautiful thing about it, though, was that one of the young men by the name of Amos, UFC fighter, gangbanger, reaches out his hands and picks me up, reminding me that it's not just the ones that are being called that need Jesus, but even the one giving the call. Somebody say amen. So, so I got up and I said, thank you. And you know what? Even after falling, I just kept on calling. I wasn't in my feelings, folks. I just kept on appealing. And more people gave their hearts to Jesus, and we had a wonderful baptism. Would you say amen? And unbeknownst to me, the following, the following, the following night, because my daughter wasn't with us, my 16-year-old daughter stayed with my brother here in town, and I was down there in Compton. My wife joined me for the weekend, and she texted my wife and said, Is Dad okay? And she said, Yeah. Why? Because he's all over TikTok. And my wife said, what? She said, somebody posted his fall on TikTok, and that thing went viral. Amazing, right? Amazing how I post all these scriptures, post all of these sayings by C.S. Lewis, post all of, all of these baptisms, post everything, every time on social media, and none of them have ever gone, have ever gone viral. But the moment a pastor falls, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, God can even take your slips and your trips and your falls, and he can use it for his glory and to get the gospel out. Over 20 million views. And everywhere I go now, people are saying, you're that pastor that fell. I said, praise God, now I can talk to you about Jesus and how he lifted me up. Yeah. 
There's no shame in my game. Mm-mm. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, first to the Jew and then to the Samoan and the Tongan, like Pastor Ofa, and to the Native Americans and to the indigenous folks and to my African-American brothers and sisters and to my Anglo um, uh, uh, brothers and sisters and to the Vietnamese and to the Chinese and to the Japanese, to every nation, kindred, tribe, tongue, and people. I'm just... Holy Spirit. They come through this storm. Let me just go go through this. They come through the storm. I want you to, I just want you to, to, to think that they had been ministering all day long on the other side of the lake. They had, been, they had been playing crowd control. Christ now then says for them to get into the ship, Brother Danny. They go through a life-threatening storm. They make it through that storm. The disciples must be tired. I mean, they must be weary, right? Jesus obviously was tired and weary from doing ministry all day long. And by the way, I want to just share this with you. Jesus spent more time in the community than he did in the synagogues. He's a community man. Would you say amen? And so here's the thing. Now they, they, they're, they're, coming, they're, coming, um, they're coming on shore. I just imagine that disciples are probably hungry. They're probably wet. They're soaking wet from the storm. They're tired. And they're probably thinking to themselves, we're finally going to get a respite. We're finally going to get a break. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says in Matthew chapter five, uh, Mark chapter 5, I love, I love Mark because he's, He's the gospel of the immediate. You will will discover that all throughout his gospel, he always says, and immediately, and immediately, and immediately. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately, immediately, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that you torment me not. I want you guys to picture this. And again, you're going to have to corroborate the story with Matthew and Luke. But one of the things that you're, you, you know, as you picture this, you have, a, you have this guy running down from the tombs or the caves, right? And he's running down this hillside. They are just arriving on the beach. And all of a sudden, this madman comes rushing towards them. I, I imagine, and said, by the way, I think it's in the Gospel of Matthew or Luke that says that he had, he, had been, he had been in this state for a long time. A long time. So you can just imagine the physical features and how he looked. He probably had long, long matted hair. And, and, and the Bible says that he had cut himself up, so he was probably bloody as well. I mean, what a sight to behold, right? What a sight and what it looks like when the devil gets a hold of a person and his only, his only desire, his only goal, of the work of his lifetime is to degrade man to the point where he is even lower than that of an animal. And, and, and he wants to eradicate the, the, the image of God in man. That's what he's all about. That's his M.O., that's his agenda. That's all he cares about. That's why in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said that the thief, Satan, only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But praise be to God that the text doesn't end there. Jesus says, but I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So family, are we living the abundant life? Because <laughs> I want to tell you that until we have Christ in us, we have not begun to live. And so this man is rushing head towards them, and I believe it's another place where it said that um, either Mark or uh, Matthew or Luke, it said that he had no clothes. 
So he got these running, these guys are running naked towards Jesus. They're bloody. Their hair is probably long and wild. They probably got these long fingernails. I mean, they just look like a mess. They look like they are possessed of demons. And can I tell you that we were not created to be the habitation of devils and demons. We were created to be the habitation of the Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians chapters 3 and 6. Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit dwells in you? And that you are not your own? That you are purchased with a price? The precious blood of Jesus Christ? Did you catch that line? <laughs> you were purchased with a price? The precious blood of Jesus Christ? You are not your own? It's amazing that God wants to dwell in us. Yeah, his presence is here. But he wants to dwell in these temples. So what happens? When you read the spirit of prophecy, let me ask you guys a question. What do you think the disciples did when these men came running towards them? What would be your natural reaction? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right, Sierra. And, I mean, I just imagine that these guys, right, I mean, they're, they're, again, they're like, man, they're worn out, they're tired. And all of a sudden, immediately, these guys come running out of the hills. They're probably screaming like madmen. They're rushing towards them, and these guys take off. They bail. Can I tell you something, God? I want to share with you, though, that the Apostle Paul is talking from God's side of it. You see, when it comes to God, God will never abandon us. God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. Nothing can separate us from his love. But, make no mistake about it, we can choose to separate ourselves from God. See, Paul's not talking from our perspective because he knows that as human beings, we are prone. No wonder why that beautiful hymn, uh, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. So whatever you do, don't bail on Jesus. Even when times get tough. Even when you're going through your, the most difficult time of your life. Even when you find yourself in dark spaces. Even when you are at your lowest. Just know that God will be with you. And he will see you through that storm. Would you say amen? Brother Steve, for Jesus to leave glory and to come all the way down here and to brave the, 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 most, the most wildest of storms, all that, all that hell could muster, all the stuff that he went through down here, the storms that, the storm that he had to endure and go through just to save us. That's how valuable you are. That's how valuable those demoniacs were to Jesus Christ. He heard their cries all, all the way from across the lake. And he says that I'm going to leave all these folks here and I'm going to make it through this storm. I'm going to brave this storm. I'm going to sleep through this storm just to reach that one, two precious souls over there crying in need and in distress. I'm going to set them free. I'm going to deliver them. To what length are we willing to leave our comfort zones? When God says, okay, Nehemiah, I want you to come out of this comfort zone that you're in. There are people in need in the community. There are people among the Muslim people that need me. They need Jesus. There are people down there in downtown Seattle. And I praise God I have the opportunity to go and share the gospel on the streets there. I, I love being among the people. The fact of the matter is, is that Jesus, Jesus was willing to be among the people in order to have an impact on their lives. Don't run. No wonder why the Bible says, stand still. Be still and know that I'm God. The psalmist says. Here's, let's get through this. You notice that the demons recognize Jesus. <laughs> they recognize him. They know him. The other thing that's interesting is, uh, and, and let's continue reading because it says here, 
Verse 8. Jesus said unto him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Isn't it amazing that Jesus even answers the prayers of demons? Because they're saying, don't torment us. And Jesus said, okay, but you got to come out. (laughs) They're making a request. They're begging Jesus. Here's what I'm trying to tell you folks, that, man... Here, here, comes, here comes these demons, right, possessing these men. They're coming towards Jesus. They're rushing towards them as if there's going to be a fight. And it's not even a contest. There's no fight. There's no resistance. They don't stand a chance. You see the God that, you see the God that, that backs us up? I've been in fights where we were in brawls where we were outnumbered. Some of the homies bailed. Oh, I dealt with them later. <laughs> yeah, Brian. Some of the I mean, some of the homies bailed. I mean, they they puff up their chest and they they talk this big talk and act like they can walk the walk and act like they can like they can throw hands and they can fight. And then all of a sudden, when we're in the midst of a brawl, all of a sudden you look around and there's just one or two of you going against this other group of people, and you're wondering, man, what happened to all the rest of the homies? And I don't know, Pastor, but somehow, some way, we made out of we made it out of those brawls alive. And here I am, praise be to God. I believe that God was even in those times. Even though, man, I would walk out of there sometimes with messed up, my face would be all lumped up, and all of this. But praise be to God, He saved my life. There's no contest here. It's no match. And can I remind us here at Mount Vernon that while we are no match for the devil, the devil is no match for Jesus. Huh. And then I love what Jesus says. He asked him, what is your name? What is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion. For we are many. And in a Roman legion, it's known to have 6,000 soldiers. Now, I'm not saying that this man was possessed by 6,000 demons, but it does tell me that he had, these men had a legion of demons in them. And he says that we are many. Here's the thing, folks. You know what I get from this? At least the demons are in one accord and working together. They have one goal in mind, and that is to destroy these two men. You guys catch that? They said we're legion because we're many, and yet they're all in one accord. They're all operating together to destroy these men. Question, can the same be said for God's church? Uh, see how you got quiet right there can the same be said for God's church are we answering the prayer of Jesus Christ in John 17 when he said I pray that they will be one even as we are one do you know that when you look at John 17 that it's the unity among God's people because of the Holy Spirit because of the love of Christ because John 13 verse 35 Jesus said that the world will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another do you know that the unity that, it, that, 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 that God wants to give his people is what his glory looks like? Because, check this out. Jesus said, I pray that as you and I, Father, are one, that they will be one so that the world may know that you sent me. Wow. So how will the world know that Jesus Christ was sent of God? When there's oneness and unity among God's people. Would you say amen? And only the Holy Spirit can make that miracle happen. Seriously. Like, how can all of us in here who are different, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different temperaments, different challenges, how is it that we can all, Brother Danny and Brother Brian and Brother uh, Daryl back there and Sarah, how is it that we can all sit in here together as a family of God, even though we're so vastly different? It's because of the unity that only the Holy Spirit can bring. 
that we can sit together. Okay. And he besought them, and he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. See, they're begging him again. They, they're begging Jesus, please, don't send us out of the country. First of all, don't torment us. And then don't send us out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils begged Jesus, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. He said, Okay, leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. So they enter into a herd of swine. I'm going to hasten on for the sake of time. They, heard, they go into a herd of swine. The herd of swine now violently runs down a steep cliff and into the water, and they die. Now, they were driven by the, the demons, but at the same time, Here's the point I want to make about this. Even the pigs would not dwell and live with demons. And yet, we as human beings have become too comfortable with them. Giving them ready, re- ready access to ourselves. How so? Well, we've got to guard the five avenues of the soul. What are the things that we are, what, what are the things that we are putting into our minds? Things that we are listening to. Things that, things that would open up a window and give them a foothold in our soul. Things in which they can get in and enter. You know, I see that one of the things, and because of the, the social media world that we live in today and the techno- technological world that we live in today, you know, I know that a lot of us, you know, man, I want to tell you, you know, whether, it, whether it's gaming or whatever addiction there might be, let me tell you something that God wants us to protect. He wants to protect the avenues of our soul. He wants to protect the citadel of our souls. He wants to have control over us so that he can create a barrier and a defense for us against temptation, against the world, against sin, against all these things that the enemy is going to throw at us. Our only hope is in Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's our only hope. So they wouldn't even dwell with the demons. And notice this, that even the people who were herding those swine, it says that they went into the city and into the country and told the people what had happened. <laughs> and it says, and they come to Jesus and see him, check this out, him that was possessed of the devil and had the legion. You know, it's amazing. God is not intimidated by evil. Not one bit. And not only that, it's amazing to me that God even selects the most wretched of cases upon which to reveal his glory. Like these men must have been the most notorious, well-known men in those ten cities in that entire region of Decapolis. I mean, can you imagine? These are the worst guys in that whole region, and yet Jesus now is going to set them free, and they will become missionaries and evangelists for the gospel. What would happen if God chose the worst cases in Mount Vernon? Some of us might be sitting here, you're looking at one. And what would it look like, Brother Brian, if God would choose the worst cases in Mount Vernon and somehow change them and and transform them and they went out and shared their story? Think about the worst, think about the most wicked, evil person that you can think of. Whatever you do, don't look to your left or to your right. God can change any person. I'm amazed at this because it says they come to Jesus to see him that was possessed with the devil and have the legion sitting and clothed, check this out, sitting and clothed and in his right mind. <laughs> and they were afraid. It's amazing how people react when people come to Jesus. It should be the cause for the greatest celebration. Not the NFL draft. 
taking place in Las Vegas, where all those fanatics, fans, are rooting for their teams. Not those who attend football games and, 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 and even in cold and inclement weather would, would strip off their shirt and cheer and lose their voices over 22 men on a field that are pursuing a leather ball. No, we're talking about, we're talking about men and women who were, who were in the hold and in the clutches of demon, demon power. Those who were, who were possessed by devils. Those who were held bound. Those who were enslaved. Those who were imprisoned. Being set free through the power of Jesus Christ. And coming to Christ. And making the decision for Christ. And we sit on our hands. And we sit on our laurels. And we're like, that looks pretty good. That's nice. Well, well praise God. And, and, you know, and when people get excited, that's why I look at what it says in Luke chapter 15, verses 7 to 10. It says that over one sinner that repents. It says that all the family and friends rejoice. And then in verse 10 it says, over one sinner that comes to Christ. It says that all of heaven rejoices. All the angels join in. And then with the prodigal son, it says that the father now is excited and he throws a party. So guess what? It begins with the human race and then heaven is rejoicing. And then the father is rejoicing. Everyone is rejoicing over those who come to Christ Jesus. And it says that this is what brings joy to the heart of God. How can we not celebrate? How can we not get excited? How can we not shout hallelujah when people who are coming in from the community, those that the devil has kept captive all this time, and he sets them free from addiction, from, from drug use, from alcoholism, from bad tempers, from watching porn, all of this stuff. Jesus is able to deliver. Do we still believe that? Or, we, or have we become such an exclusive club? Because what's happening now, check this out. We see this with the woman at the well. And now we see this with a man, with two men who are possessed of demons. The Bible goes on to say, this is it. And they began to pray to Jesus or say to Jesus, depart out of our coast. Christ had just performed the greatest miracle in that region. And now they want him out. Jesus answers their request. Says, okay, I'm leaving. But pray. Oh, man, folks, I hope you catch this. And when he was gone into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil begged him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said to him, Go home, tell your friends, and tell them. How great things the Lord has done for you and hath compassion and has had compassion on you. Then in verse 20, the last verse, it says, And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Here's what I want you to picture. Jesus and his disciples now are getting back into the boat. Getting back into the boat. These guys come up to Jesus and I, I just without this my mind's eye. They come up to Jesus and they're like, please, 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 please. Thank you. Thank you for delivering us. Thank you for saving me. Please let me go with you. Let me go with you. And Jesus, because of the love that he has for those people who want him to leave, will not leave them in darkness. Even though they don't want him there. He said, he says to them, he says to these guys, he says, No. You notice he answers the demons' request. He answers the people's request. And to the only one that is begging, begging him that they can go along, he says to them, No. You go back and you share with your friends, your family, what God has done for you. Do you know that there are people right now in this community, in whatever community you are part of, there are people in your family, there are friends in your circle, there are associates, your, your, your co-workers, there are neighbors, they are waiting to hear your story of what God has done for you.
He refused to leave that region in darkness. Read it for yourself in Matthew chapter 4, verse 25. It says that Jesus went all throughout Galilee preaching the gospel and healing people. It says that multitudes came even from Decapolis. How do you think that happened? How do you think that happened when Jesus would come back into that region? And now you have a multitude from Decapolis ready to hear the message. Could it be that these two demoniacs, because of the story? Here's something else I'm going to point out to you, and then I'm done. I'm going to make an appeal. You notice chapter 4. What did Jesus say to his own disciples? Why are you fearful and lacking faith? I believe that the other reason why Christ did not take those two men with him is because his church wasn't ready to receive him. He could not entrust these two men, freshly minted, delivered, rescued, with a group of men who lack faith, who are arguing and fighting all the time, right? Think about it. Here's, here's the thing. It took these demoniacs one encounter with Jesus, and they were transformed. The disciples had been with Christ for three and a half years. What will it take for you and for me? And I understand, listen, Nicodemus was more of a slow burn. <laughs> it, was, it was, Pastor, it was more of a slow burn. It was, it was more of a process because he came to Jesus by night in chapter 3. By chapter 7, Nicodemus defended Christ in the council. By chapter 19, Nicodemus brought spices and ointments fitting for a king. With the woman at the well, it was immediate. See, the thing is, and I'm, I'm going to be very, I'm going to just be very frank with you, straightforward. Is Mount Vernon Church, or whatever church you attend, is it such a church that is so loving and nurturing, that is relational, that lifts up Jesus? Can God trust new people to come into our churches? Will they be nurtured and loved? Will they be, will they be taken care of? Will they, will they feel like they belong and they're accepted? Will they feel like they, 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 they have a connection with family? Will the young people feel like, man, you know what? This is my church. This is my family. I belong here. See, those are, stuff, those are the things that we need to wrestle with. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the Spirit of God is falling. And God is going to, God, listen, and it's not just people come to the church. We got to go to them. We need to go to them. I was really hoping and praying, and, and it's going to happen. I was really hoping and praying that this series was going to happen at the casino. Because I would much rather be at a casino in a space there where people can feel comfortable and safe to come there. Because some people won't step foot and darken the doorways of our churches. Oh, no, I'm not going to, man, you know, Danny, man, I, I, I feel like I can go in there. I might burn up if I go in there. Folks in there are so holy, but they don't know that we are just as messed up and in need of Christ as anyone else in the community. But we don't see ourselves like that. Huh. Appeal time. I had to take that extra little bit of time, and I want to thank you for giving it to me. Two years ago, a young man living in Puyallup, young Samoan man, possessed by demons. His family calls myself and Pastor Rome, who is now the senior pastor there at the Academy Church. It was about 1 o'clock in the morning. The mother of the boy, she's crying. She's, on, she's in tears on the phone, and she's saying that my, my son is possessed with demons. There are voices coming out of him. He's convulsing. He's violent. There's nothing that we can do with him. We're, we're over here. We're trying to pray. Can you and Pastor Rome please come over? 
Pastor Rome and I connect, and we decide to meet up at the family's home that morning. One o'clock in the morning, and we're there at the complex, the apartments, and uh, there's a gate, and, you know, they gave us the code to punch in, and I'm over there. Rome is sitting in his car. I'm out there punching in the code, trying to get us in. The code doesn't work on the, on the vehicle gate, and so I go over there to the pedestrian gate, and I punch in that same code. It doesn't work. And, I, and I'm standing out there, and I say, Rome, you got to call them and let them know, man, we're standing out here. We're right here now. And come to find out we were at the wrong address. We're at the wrong place. You know, it's like one of those diversions that the enemy tried to do, and I believe it was that storm that Jesus himself went through. And sure enough, as I'm getting into the car, there comes a, there comes a guy. He comes out, and he has a hoodie, and he comes out, and he bangs his gun on the gate. And he swears at us. He's cussing at us. I mean, uh, and I understand. It's 1 o'clock in the morning, and, and you got two Samoans at the gate. And they're probably thinking, like, what are these two guys These two guys doing out there at the gate? Right? I mean, that's what I would have thought. And, he, and, and the gate opens up, and he's coming out. And I want to tell you, I praise, listen, I'm sure all of you guys know, know this as well, but I praise God that I grew up in the hood because I know how to drive out in those situations. And that is like this. With, I mean, ducking. I looked, man, first of all, Rome was ducking. I was ducking because we never know if this guy was going to start dumping into the car. Anyways, we get to the right place. Long story short, as we're making our way up the stairs, and by the way, just, just a week earlier, this young man, the devil drove him to commit suicide. By the way, I've also had that experience where I was in dark spaces where I wanted to take my own life. So I know what it's like. I wanted to commit suicide. He runs sheets out of his window of the second floor, hangs himself because he hears voices telling him to take your life. And, and he hangs himself. And, f- and, 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 and thank God, his wife and his children are just coming back from going, to, go, going shopping, and they see, she sees her husband, the kids see their father hanging and dangling there. They cut him down. He's still dealing with the issues. Well, Rome and I recognize that there's no amount of street tough or boxing skills or whatever. That's not going to help out. The devil will whip us every time. But we did go in there in the name of Jesus. I still believe in the miracle working power, the prayer hearing, prayer answering God that we serve. Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we walk up in there, and we're praying, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray over this guy. And in the name of Jesus, praise be to God, the young man was delivered from demon possession. And he has gone through some of our churches in this conference and has shared his personal testimony on how God delivered him. In his right mind. I've seen the power of God. I've experienced it in my own life. So my appeal to you today is, I don't know what, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know some of the struggles that you might be dealing with in your own personal life. Those who are joining us online as well. But I want to tell you that we have a God who is more powerful than the devil and he is able to rescue and to deliver and to save 